What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Take After the Take. Today is uh, Wednesday, March 31st, so right before uh, April Fool's Day. Mm. End of March here. We got some good topics going on. I am your co-host, Michael Franz. I've got my man, Dewante Kellerwoods, over here. What up? And our lovely mediator, Amanda Kellerwoods, as well. How are you doing? Doing fine and dandy. <laughs> awesome, awesome. We're here for you guys. Hope you guys enjoy the show here and uh, get some great pointers. All right, let's kick this thing off. All right. So we've already started this off with um, Michael is pissed off. Not a question. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Oh, I am so sorry. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, Just a little technical difficulty right now. But but, but on, no, but on (laughs) and better news. Uh, they can't see us yet because the YouTube is not set up. But at the same time, my boy and I are representing baseball teams today, both in um, the Eastern Conference of their respective divisions. Yep. He has on a uh, Washington hat, and I have on a New York Yankees hat. So um, I'm glad we're we're always kind of on those same Mm -hmm. wavelengths. Last week you had or last episode you had San Diego. I had the Dodgers We're talking about NL West, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's become it's become kind of a theme for us. <laughs> All right, let's kick it off with some cuteness. <laughs> Does Russell Westbrook need a championship to be great? Hence, cute Russell. Go, Michael. Um. No, I mean, for me, I've already got my view on Russell. I think he's a, a great point guard, a great player. I think his energy is very, very high. I don't think anybody plays with an energy level of his, not even LeBron. Right. But I don't think his his him getting a championship at this point, him getting a championship at this point would almost be like LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin almost getting one, right, where it's like, hey, they need one. Um, to to solidify their place within history, within their record books, within their stats, et cetera, within their place in NBA. Um, I think Russell Westbrook, for me, overall, is still considered as a selfish player. I think he plays for his, his team, but he doesn't trust his team enough. Mm-hmm. Which at that point, if you don't trust your team the way that he doesn't, it's like, <clears throat> it's like LeBron James and Russell Westbrook are on two opposite sides of the prism. LeBron James cares about his teammates too much sometimes where maybe Russell Westbrook doesn't care about them enough. So to me, that doesn't necessarily symbolize greatness. If, if, if you're just literally focused on yourself to sit here and talk about his records, the triple double great. When he first broke the record, it was great. I thought it was amazing, but there was an asterisk for me on that. And that was the fact that, he would get 10 assists within the first seven minutes of the game and then shoot 40 or 50 shots in the game and then miss majority of them and they'd lose. Mm-hmm. He proved within one game that he could go 20, 20, and 20, which 20 points and 20 assists would have been cake for him. He doesn't need 20 rebounds, but he could have got 20, 10, and 20 consistently. And when he got that 20, 20, uh, 20 game, they won, and they won by a lot. Yeah. It was a very good game. Yeah. So I think that if he focused more and thinking of the players, Oladipo on his team at one point, right. He had uh, Carmelo Anthony on, on OKC. Right. So at that point, like you've got people that have been in MVP discussions that are scores and you didn't use them enough. 
I think there could have been a lot better of, of ending results. It could have been more competitive within those seasons as far as OKC goes, or even working with James Harden in Houston, um, which I think maybe that's why he kind of ended up in Washington. You know, like people saw that. He can stat pad over in Washington all day and it's not going to matter. Nobody cares. But as far as being great, I think he's a good point guard. I think he's a great point guard. I think his energy is very high, but I don't think he's going to be one of those all-time greats in my opinion. Well, in my opinion, I'm going to have to slightly disagree. I think Russell Westbrook is one of the all-time greats. Russell Westbrook is one of my favorite point guards of all time. Me being a point guard when I did play basketball, I wish I would have played like Russell Westbrook, the energy and everything. Now, I want to go back to one of your points, talking about him being selfish. I don't think he's selfish at all, exactly, especially since he's he's getting triple doubles. You got to pass the ball, especially in this last game. He had 21 assists, so I don't see that he is being selfish now. You did make a very valid point. He'll get 10 assists in the first seven minutes of the game, and then he just starts jacking up shots. He did that a lot in Oklahoma City, which is the reason why KD decided to leave uh, Oklahoma City. But the the Houston transition to Washington, I just think that he just wanted to get out. They didn't trade him there and say, okay, go to Washington. You keep forgetting Scott Brooks was also his head coach back then. He wanted to play for Scott Brooks again. So because he loves the offense and that's where he was the most successful and with his with I, and I feel like Washington we don't talk about the Washington Wizards or uh formerly uh, the Bullets right we don't talk about them a whole lot but this is the thing Washington is actually in a big market so if Mark, if they started to win just like the Nationals out of no out of nowhere won the World Series right a couple of years ago right they came out of nowhere. I'm not saying that that these guys are going to make a push this year, but what I am saying is that d- does he need to d- does he need to win a championship to be great? And I'm going to say he doesn't need to win a championship to be great because Charles Barkley is great. You know, um, I believe Tony Romo is a great quarterback. He didn't win a championship. Um, I saw your frown, but I, I think, but but as far as numbers go and and this is why i'll say there are two different when you brought up lebron there are times lebron does hold the ball russ doesn't hold the ball so he's not if you're looking for somebody that's that like padding their stats i would have to say lebron pads his stats more because he slows down ray john rondo holds the ball a little bit longer russell westbrook plays within the speed of the game and then you gotta he dictates you gotta play within him now, going back to Melo, George, and all those guys, those guys, Melo is probably one of the realest people that I know of, right? Melo even said that this guy was the best teammate and best, one of the best players he's played with. So Melo didn't want to come off the bench. That was the problem in OKC. Like, if he would have had a different attitude, they could have done some things in OKC. Paul George... People don't realize this. He's he elevated Victor Oladipo and Paul George. Both of their shooting percentages went up, as well as their their field goal percentages, as well as their scoring. Bradley Bill, he's always been a good scorer. This year, his points are up as well, and he's saying that that Russell Westbrook has been the best best teammate that he's ever had, and 
even though he loves John Wall, he just said he has a little bit more. Now, John Wall is more of a selfish point guard. He didn't pass. This guy right here is averaging a triple-double again this year, even though Washington is not winning. But I've seen it. He's not playing selfishly. I don't think he needs a championship to be great. But if he did that, you're right. He would be ring chasing if he did that. But there's going to come a time in his career in these next few years where he's not going to be able to be the starter. I don't know if he would retire, but the way this guy is going, he can play until he's 35, 36 as a starter, right? But it's going to have to come to a, a point where he's going to have to go join. I don't see him teaming back up with KD with all that stuff that happened with them. But LeBron James loves him. And I can see a after this contract is done, I can see a union with him and LeBron. And I think that would be his best bet. And I wouldn't call it ring chasing if he went and joined LeBron James. I don't think he joins LeBron. I think Steph Curry does. Well, that's a different topic. That's been in the news quite a bit recently. Um, I think it's going to be something that we're going to be watching out all year, but Mm. it's not a question of does his teammates, do his teammates like him? I mean, my, my, my teammates like him and he has elevated their play. Everybody, you can look at the stats on that. He's elevated their performances. My, my position in saying the selfishness part of it is maybe let me, let me change it a little bit. It's his, his game time, his in-game decisions. Yeah. His in-game decisions is to say, I need to put this on my shoulders when really you may not need to put it on your shoulders the whole time. Why do you need 40 points when you've got three people at the top, you know, that are standing at the, at the top of the key or just uh, over at the elbow, whatever. And, you know, your defenders are knowing you're going to drive the ball. So they collapse the paint, right? Like in that case, he could kick it out, but instead he'd like to take the layup. Like well, no, no, that's not that's not necessarily true. There's been times where he has kicked it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, statistically speaking, when you sit there and say he's got, you know, this many shots, they lost, you don't need to be throwing up 40 and 50 shots. Like, no, you don't I agree. do that when you've got scorers on your team. So could there have been better decisions that could have elevated the team itself? It might have elevated Oladipo a little bit when he was used or Paul George or Melo when they were used. But the team itself as a whole, they, once Kevin Durant left, it was like, well, who's okay. But I will say this in his defense as well. I was at those playoff games against when they took a three, one lead against the golden state warriors. And I was at, yeah, he had to be courtside. Yeah. Courtside seat every single game. And I will say this. KD didn't show up in that playoff series. Very definitely at the last, last two, three games of that series. He did not play well. Now, in the playoff series that they lost against Portland, Paul George did not have a good game in that last game. So I can see uh, this is the difference. Kobe Bryant was a guy who shot the ball a whole lot too, but he made his shots. So if Russell Westbrook makes his shots, I think we're, we're talking about Russell Westbrook in a different light. I think that it's a what-if situation or if this would have happened because if he makes those shots – Nobody is talking about uh, Westbrook, but at the same time, you got to look at the whole spectrum of the game. He tries to do something for the team after his teammates have not been doing well in those games. 
And that's why I've learned. I watch almost every Russell Westbrook game. And that's why I've noticed about there do, there are some times where he'll get carried away. But in those other times when he should have passed the ball to Melo, he should have passed the ball here. It, during the course of that game, those players, particular players, did not play well. So he looked at it as, hey, I'm going to put the team on my back and I'm going to do my thing, which is the reason why KD left because KD felt – I mean, look, in the last few games in that playoff game, KD did not shoot the ball well at all. And then you went and joined a 73-win team, okay? So, in my opinion, I think that during those games, he was trying to do whatever he could to help them win. Those guys didn't do their job, which he was like, I'm the point guard. I got to do something. I got to go make it better. Now, we know KD left on his own, and we know that there was a rift between those two. So even outside of that, not even bringing that up, mm-hmm. let's talk about Oladipo specifically within mm-hmm. him being an OKC. Do you think it's a coincidence that he had his season with OKC, went over to Indiana, and was top four in MVP voting that year? But do you remember what he said after his first season back in Indiana? He said – I would not be the player I am right now if I didn't learn from Russell Westbrook last year with the OKC Thunder. He said yeah, that. Sure. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I would give him that credit, but that just tells me on the other side, you learn there's practice, there's conversations you have, there's lessons that you can learn. On the court during game time, was he used as much as what he could have been? No. Well, I don't he, think wasn't, so. he wasn't the guy. Russell was the guy, especially at the KD level. I mean, he still he that year Oladipo was there. He 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 still almost averaged a triple double. Oladipo got his shots. He got he got his thing. He he got everything he was supposed to get, but he didn't hit shots either. So I would like to make a correction. I do not think Russell Westbrook is cute. I was thinking Russell Wilson. <laughs> oh, gotcha. And neither of y'all called me out. Hey man, you I thought you were talking about us with our hat situation. Right. No, yeah. I was I was talking about Sierra's husband. <laughs> gotcha. And neither of y'all y'all should have been like, he's not cute. Oh, well, we we don't speak <laughs> on other men like that, so it's all good. I should have been called out for that one. I, I was like, oh, that's not what I was thinking. Okay. You better watch it, Russell. Look at this night. You ain't cute either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that's how he he he'll react. <laughs> All right. Do you feel like Kevin Durant is too sensitive on social media and was Michael Rappaport wrong for exposing the tweet between them? Dante, you can kick it off. So when I saw this story earlier, all I thought was here's another situation where Kevin Durant has gotten sensitive on Twitter or social media. I mean, that's the only thing that I thought about at first. And then Michael Rappaport, I love Michael Rappaport. He is one of the funniest dudes that I've ever seen. But I think where, uh, where I said, sorry, where KD crossed the line was he brought his wife into the situation of the tweet. Okay. So I think that when you start on, like if we're boys and, and you know, we're going back and forth, right. There's, I, that just shows you that KD can't stay in the kitchen, man. Like KD can be in the kitchen mm-hmm. and he can throw the heat at you, but he can't stay in the kitchen. So when you come, you start coming back at him because you're wit- more wittier than him, you know, he will get personal on you. And he's done this way too many times. So I think that Kevin Durant needs to, you know, he'll probably hear this podcast and respond to us. Please do. 
So we I hope so. Back. <laughs> so, um, but I do think Michael uh, Rappaport was crossing a line because you're not supposed to share, you know, if you and your boy tweet like that, like if y'all are going back and forth, like if you and I were talking about a situation and there was something that you were talking about and we were talking about, we were going back and forth, like we always do how we talk about, you know, we talk to each other, whatever. And then I go and put it for the world to see right now. Michael Rappaport was very wrong for that. But at the same time, KD, man, when are you going to you? This is my thing with KD, bro. Stay off of social media if you cannot handle it. People are going to say things about you, whether it's bad or whether it's good. And apparently, man, like the cupcake name is sticking to you if you are worried about what whatever and no one he didn't share what michael said to him before right he just shared michael shared the tweet of whatever was said back right so i'm curious to see what he said that sent kd over the line but i will guarantee it wasn't about a wife it wasn't about his mama it wasn't about anything like that but kd has shown every single time that (laughs) if some kid just I said I saw something about some rappers or something the other day. And he responded to that in the very next. He he called one of the rappers washed. He said your stuff is washed. You know what I mean? So, KD, if I were you, bro, take a break from social media, especially, especially if you can't handle the the. I don't know. You can't you can't handle the the kitchen. The attention. You can't handle it. I mean, you can't handle the heat. Stay out of the you, kitchen. If you can't, yeah, handle kitchen. the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Thank you. You're welcome. Nice. <laughs> so, all right. So, I, I'll, I'll start off by saying something positive about KD here for a second. And, oh, I love KD. I and think you, and you, touched, you touched on it. He didn't, he didn't expose anything, any of the conversation, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, I've had conversations with people of a situation that you know of more recently where things have been said and people have asked me, like, I may give some of the details, but I don't share any of the personal conversations that this person and I had. Right. Absolutely. That's because it literally stays between us. Right. Right. There's there's a, a ethics within myself that I follow. Now, KD may have that same type of, of, of ethic where he's like, Hey, whatever's between us stays between us. Right. Yeah. And Michael Rappaport, I think he does a lot. Like I like Mike as well, but I think he does a lot for extra attention. Yeah. Right. So I think the situation itself, I'll be honest with you, just watching what even happened, the recorded videos of it to me, that was Super. I hate when when celebrities are like, "Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that." No, I've never. I haven't sat in this type of a row in twenty two years, bro. Who are you? Like, you've been in a couple movies. What right. you were, you were Remy in Higher Learning? All right, cool. You know what? Which <laughs> is a good movie. You were also in uh, what's the other movie that he that was in early in his career? Man, I don't. Remember he was with Nguji Wright, and it was his his black girlfriend. He was a white guy. It was a problem with their family. Yeah. Right? You know what movie I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. even remember the movie right now. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like you I know, he was in Hitch. Yeah, for a short period of time. <laughs> a right? period of time. He got a lot of cameos, but bro, tell me, 
are you out here, you know, winning Oscars like Ben Affleck and Brad Pitt? No, 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 bro. You can have row 16 or six or whatever it is sometimes. Right. Right. right? So I, I think that there's a sensitivity on that side. I think KD handled that part of it well. And even watching those videos, I think that Michael Rappaport was pretty sensitive for the situation. Yeah. But the question isn't around that. The question is, is KD sensitive within his uh, social media? And absolutely. He's softer in social media than he is on the court. Yeah. Yeah. And why I say he's softer out there rather than on the court, and I consider him soft on the court, is because he's got the softest two rings in the NBA history. Oh, Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay, bro, you can shoot. You're good. You can, you, you can, you got to build this team over here in Brooklyn, the way that you've done it. And it's not even him. You know what I'm saying? Like this man, James Harden wanted to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like he went and recruited everybody, but either way they put this team together and now it's like, Oh, this is the team I really wanted, bro. What are you talking about? The team you really wanted and needed was over there in golden state. You just got hurt over Draymond Green calling you a bitch. Wait a minute. More importantly, he could have stayed in OKC and ran it back and possibly beat Golden State in the West. You I know. wasn't even going to go there because <laughs> I agree, and I think he should have stayed there because between him and Russell Westbrook, that tandem was really good. Yeah. But he got his emotions involved. Yeah. Right? It wasn't a business. You know, I'll tell you right now, as a Forex trader, I think the worst person in the world that could ever be a trader would be KD because he's too emotional over everything. And, and the thing about it, he's he also is a little bit of a hypocrite. In 2010, he actually tweeted out when LeBron James went to the Heat, he said, can't we be competitive? Right. And then and you he went for 73 and 19. Exactly. Exactly. That's my <laughs> So if he, if I consider him soft on the court for those reasons – I definitely consider, I will not even call him a cupcake. He's soft as marshmallows <laughs> out here on social media. You know what I mean? And you can't be in Brooklyn being soft in the streets. Kate. Right. You can't <laughs> soft as a goose down pillow. You know what I'm I know, saying? Like, I, know, I know he's from the hood and D.C. area and stuff like that, but, you know, Brooklyn is a little bit different. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, I definitely feel he needs to tone down the sensitivity a little bit. Bro, you're in the limelight. You're an athlete. You're a star. You're a celebrity. Shit is going to happen. Give him his so, affirmations, Mike. <laughs> you're a star. You're an athlete. You're the man. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're, you're KD. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would bet that if anything, I bet I bet KD's love language is words of affirmation. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> All right, moving on. What should the Nets and the NBA do about the Durant situation, Michael? Nothing. Why? Like, I don't see why. It's, he's the one that's keeping it under wraps. Like, he didn't expose anything. It was Michael Rappaport. <laughs> right? So what, what, can, what can the Nets and the NBA do about Michael Rappaport except for treat them like the Knicks treated Spike Lee or Patrick Ewing or Charles Oakley? He's he's not not at that status. Don't give him that credit, bro. I'm just saying the Knicks treated those three gentlemen horribly. Horribly. Right. So if the NBA wants to do something, they could do that to him and just. I don't think it'll make a difference. I don't think it would either. Because then all of a sudden, Michael Rappaport's going to become sensitive as well. And then it's going to be, oh, my gosh, I had season tickets here. I did this. I did that. Right. You're going to get your softness coming out of him for that. So I don't think the NBA I think they need to look at Kevin Durant and just be like, stay in your own lane. 
whatever's coming out comes out. Look, we'll address it as is, but you're handling this fine right now just by staying in your your corner and staying in your lane. Yeah, um, I feel like, I don't feel like I think it's a very slippery uh, slope and road if you start, you know, disciplining NBA players. Now, I know the Donald Sterling thing happened. He was talking to his girlfriend, but that's a little bit different because you're talking about your employees at this point. You know, you're basically saying, hey, you know, and I'm not going to bring up exactly what he said, but at the same time, you know, basically, you know, it was very racist. And in this situation, he was talking to his boy. Now, if they go back and read each other tweets and text messages and stuff, you're going to probably find out that they go at each other a whole lot. You don't want to start opening up those can of worms because players probably do that all the time. Now, there was something I read today where, um, you know, it, and your mom probably used to say it to you, but, you know, treat others how you would like to be treated. And, but at the same time, talk to others the way you would like to be spoken to, right? So now we're in the day and age, it's way different. You know, if you put something out there, if you put anything on this phone right here, then guess what? The whole world's going to know about it. It's not sacred there no more. You know, my family being in government intel, I will tell you right now, like everybody's like, oh, I want my information taken, this stuff like that. You, they have your information. They can find you if they want to. Okay. Everything's a game. It's a balance of life, right? It's, it's a balance of, of life, no matter what. Cause people say, uh, you know, they, they found Hussein, Hussein or Bin Laden, right. But they can't find this guy. They know where these people are. It's just sometimes the balance of life, they got to do certain things so that they keep that balance. And when you put, if you want to, if you do that, you're going to have to go through every NBA player's phone tweets and stuff. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of shit that comes up. Everything is going to, I guarantee you, there can be some sexual uh, assault, the way some men talk to women in text messages, right? A lot of the, it opened up a can of worms for everything. I just don't feel like they need to do anything. So I don't think anything needs to happen. I do think the Nets need to say, yo, man, Watch what the hell you putting out there because it ain't, you know, it's out there. Right. But I agree. I don't think they need to do anything. Hey, you said something real quick. Um, when you're talking about speak how you want to be spoken to or treat others like you want to be treated. I think the biggest one that people need to actually pay attention to now these days is listen to those, how you want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think as far as communication goes, I don't think that we do a good enough job at that as people these days and people are quick to judge people are quick to do this people are quick to do that now and i think you know if if we just sat down took a breath and said hey speak and let me listen and actually hear the words yeah i think we could be in a lot different of a place these days yeah but you know how it is man people don't listen (laughs) all right next question is how big of a threat is ucla to win it after upsetting michigan Ooh, man. Um, look, I'm going to say the sun shines on the dog's ass every once in a while. Okay. Uh, Michigan's top player was hurt. He was in the boot. So 
I don't feel now, even though they could have won that game, and I know my boy, I'm gonna give you the most time because that is your team, that's where you're from. I'm gonna give you the most time, <laughs> but um, no, I don't think they're a threat, man. I this is why I will say that people aren't paying attention to UCLA probably has the best uh half court offense in the tournament right now. Like if they slow the game down, Gonzaga is in trouble. I don't feel like UCLA can beat a team like Baylor because Baylor can play uh, how they have both facets of the game. That's why I'm saying Baylor is my dark horse. And now that Michigan is not into it, even though I feel like Gonzaga, this is the year you got to win, man. You've been, you've been a great coach for a very long time. You've been in these situations in the, for a very long time. This is Gonzaga's year. Although I feel like Baylor is the dark horse. I don't think that UCLA is going to stop. These guys are like third in pace in the country versus UCLA being three ranked 300 and something and pace in the whole entire country. So I would just say, no, I don't think they're a threat, but I can't wait to sit back and see what my man thinks. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the threat for the championship game, last night's game, even with their star player out, Michigan should have won. The last yeah. four minutes of the game, they missed their last eight. Not mm-hmm. one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not eight <laughs> shots. Yeah. One of which was a horrible air ball from a wide open three yeah. from uh, Franz Wagner. Yeah. Right. So it was it was it was horrible, horrible, horrible execution. So me personally, I think it was Michigan losing more than UCLA beating them. Oh, that's a good right? point. Yeah. Also on the topic of that game, the only reason why it was such a close game and why UCLA won is because Johnny Juzang went off. Played crazy. Played he he crazy. was in another dimension last night. I mean, he was throwing up tightly guarded shots and they were going in, right? <laughs> it is what it is. It happens, you know, like you said, the star shines bright at least for one night, and it was on UCLA. So yeah. congratulations to them. But I do I think that they're a threat for the finals or in the final four. Nope. And that's because when you take the team that they had to beat. Now I had Gonzaga and Baylor going into the final game. So yeah. Michigan had to have lost at one point. I'm just mad that it was more to a UCLA team that was ranked number 11 than Gonzaga ranked number one. Right, right, right. Gonzaga at the, at this time now, when they have to go and they have to play UCLA, UCLA I don't think is even – I mean, this is like David and Goliath almost because what is it? Uh, Gonzaga hasn't lost in over 400 days. No, they're undefeated, yeah. They also – they went 30-0. and 0. They're 30-0 and 0 right now. 29, I think. No, I, I saw something that said that they were 30 and 0. Oh, okay. I think that's the last night because they, they played yesterday, didn't they? Oh, you might be right. Yeah. They might be so, on there. When you've got a player in a freshman like Jalen Suggs, and you got Timmy over here as well that is controlling the floor. Yeah. One one or both of those guys is canceling out Johnny Juzang. I'm sorry. You could just use one of them, and you've still got the threat of the other, let alone the rest of the team. The rest of the team has been balling out. So I actually expect Gonzaga to win by at least 25 in this game. Ooh, I agree with that. I'm not even going to give UCLA a chance. And then we'll see Gonzaga, probably Gonzaga-Baylor in the finals, and I think that's what everybody needs to see anyway. I think those are the two best teams within their respective sections of the tournament. 
And it's a good thing that they're going to be able to meet. It was bad enough for me that it was going to be, I would have rather saw Gonzaga and Michigan should Michigan have been full, fully healthy in the championship, but they were on the same side of the bracket. So they were going to play each other in at least the final four at some point. So I think for what we deserve is going to be uh, Gonzaga and Baylor. And I wish that these guys would get the seating right. You know, I think they should mix it up a little bit better than what they have because not to, not to put anything against Baylor and the guys on that side, that's going to be participating in the final four, but guns, but, but Michigan's road and Gonzaga's road, I, I feel like were a little bit harder. <laughs> Excuse me. Listen. Yeah. I feel like it was a little bit harder than Baylor. And even though Baylor had a tough game, but Baylor didn't shoot the ball well in that Arkansas game. Way different. You know, when a team is just not playing well, that's different. You know, I feel like, yeah, you know, give Arkansas and those guys credit. But, you know, same thing happened with Michigan last night. You're right. The, I mean, think about it like this. If they hit all eight shots that were there, we're, this is a different ball game. I mean, they're they only needed this. one. Yeah, and only needed one because I'm glad you said that because – People don't realize, yes, Michigan lost that game. UCLA didn't score either. They didn't do anything in those last few moments to be like, oh, my God, they're blowing them out. Because normally when a team has missed eight to nine straight shots, that's eight to nine straight baskets that could have turned into threes or twos or whatever. So they shouldn't have won that game by one point. They should have won that game by more than that. So. Yes, I, I completely agree that Michigan lost that game. UCLA, and, and it's great because I cannot wait to see what Jawan Howard comes back with next year. He's probably going to have not. – I'm not talking about the blue the blue chippers, but he's definitely uh, – the blue bloods. But I'm definitely going to say he's going to have some top recruits. Y'all better watch out for Michigan. Yep, agreed. All right, which team remaining in the tournament can end Gonzaga's unbeaten season, Michael? Well, Baylor. Baylor. <laughs> Just tie in what we were talking about, Baylor. It's going to be in the championship game. Like I said, I don't, I don't give UCLA even a, a heartbeat in this next game. Right. Um, they're going to go up a team, uh, go up against a team that's been doing this all year, and they it took a whole game with only a few minutes of rest of Johnny Juzang all on the court last night. And what mm-hmm. happens if his tank is empty at this point? Yeah. Or at least, or at least running low. Right. Because by the end of that game, by the end of the game with Gonzaga, it could be completely empty. And not saying in just to touch on that last topic we were talking about, since it's all tying in, you're talking about the roads to the final four roads to the championship game. And you got to think Houston didn't have to go through Illinois, which was one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So Houston, I think the Houston Baylor game is probably going to be a little bit better than uh, the UCLA Gonzaga game. I think this is going to be an ultimate blowout, but then we're going to see Baylor and Gonzaga in the final, which would be really good. Yeah. And you know what? The thing about this question though, why don't they pose this question earlier in the bracket? Okay. That just shows you one thing. Gonzaga was not the favorites to win this thing at first because normally this type of question would come out at the beginning of the bracket. When the, when everybody's filling out their brackets, they they would say, who's going to detour Gonzaga's run to the national championship game? This question just came out now, right? It would have been, in my opinion, it would have probably been, could have been Michigan had they had their best player not in the boots. You know, without him, they would have been in trouble. But Baylor, I've been saying it before. 
and and we're probably gonna air the episode after the final four is done. But I feel like Baylor, Baylor has every complete facet. They have an inside game, they have a perimeter game, they play defense, they run the ball, they play half court. They just need to establish their own pace. Sometimes it takes them a little bit of a while to get into a game. But I'm going to say this. I think it would be bad for Gonzaga to run the whole game against Baylor because they have more athletes on the Baylor side. That's what they want to do. They want to throw the ball up, catch some lobs, shoot in transition. Exactly what Gonzaga is good at, but I just don't think they've seen a team like Baylor. Baylor, the Big 12 was pretty good. It was a pretty good conference this year. Versus the conference that Gonzaga comes out in, right? You know, besides the 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 occasional um, pack team that they play, right, or occasional occasional team that they may play across the country, you know, I think they see their most competition in the tournament. And everyone thought USC was going to give them some problems. I don't. I, it didn't happen that way. UCLA definitely is not going to give them problems. I think. I think it's going to be Baylor. If it is Baylor that does it. All right. Justin Fields ran 4.440 yard dash. Should scouts rethink his draft position? Man. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> yes, they should. I, this is the deal. This has been over the past few years. There have been like, I don't know exactly what Pat. Patrick Mahomes ran, but I know it was, I think it was like four, six, something like that, four or five, something like that. We know Lamar Jackson runs a four, four or four, three, 40. Justin Fields is a bigger quarterback. He's a bigger guy, six, three, and he ran a four, four, right? If I'm Justin Fields though, right? They, they're now saying he's a good quarterback. I know. And it was funny, my man, I saw this on ESPN the other day that, that, you you said this. You've been saying this before, but Ohio State has not had good quarterbacks come out, right, with the exception of him. And we still don't know how he's done, but I still don't consider him an Ohio State quarterback. I, I consider him – he was a Georgia recruit. I think that he would have been great down there in Georgia. He just wanted to go somewhere where he could learn, and he went to the right situation with Ryan Day. Ryan Day is a, a quarterback whisperer. Ryan Day has made – uh, Dwayne Haskins and all these guys look look like Tom Brady in college, okay? So or or better, right? So does his? I think it needs the position needs to change. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Urban Meyer, I do what fits my system. I don't do what everyone wants me to do. And everybody's saying, "Oh, Trevor Lawrence is the logical choice," but this is what everybody is failing to realize. Trevor Lawrence is not Tim Tebow, okay? Um, Urban Meyer has had really good quarterbacks, right? He's not JT Barrett and none of these guys. And I'm not saying – I'm Trevor Lawrence is better than these guys, okay? Let me just say that. I'm just saying he's a different style of quarterback than what I've seen Urban Meyer coach. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Urban Meyer handles this. Is he going to run – bootlegs and draw quarterback draws and things that he did with his other quarterback or is he going to play the NFL game like you always say and drop back and be that drop back quarterback which Trevor Lawrence can but this is the problem they have no offensive line in Jacksonville right now so if I'm them right this is 
this is a very this is a crazy situation. What would blow the draft up is if I'm Jacksonville, I'm trading down and I'm collecting a few draft picks, right? Because you're gonna still be able to get a quarterback in this draft. It's not quarterback heavy, but I guarantee you, if they said, you know what, we're gonna trade with this team and we're gonna drop back and got three first round draft picks somehow. You can get a quarterback and two linemen, right? It might not be Trevor Lawrence in this situation, but I don't necessarily think that Trevor Lawrence fits with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like Justin Fields would fit better in that scheme. Um, well, for me, I, I've i already said this, that Justin Fields is probably my favorite quarterback out of all the guys that are there. So I think Jacksonville needed to re- Rethink even more so than Zach, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. only because of what I saw, like towards the end of last season, especially in their last game. That man, Justin Fields, was getting smacked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, it was Alabama, um, yeah, he was getting smacked up and he stayed in that game. He's got the heart to do so, you know. But that, that big question then comes in is he going to be different than the previous Ohio State quarterbacks that have come through? Right. right, right. The caveat difference is the fact that, yes, it was Urban Meyer and it wasn't Jim Trestle that may have coached. A lot of those people, a lot of those guys, I think people forget, Jim Trestle was the coach at that time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, the names that we've, that we've been talking about. So it's a different situation. Um, we said, like you brought up Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's had a little bit of a different scenario when it came to, when, when it came to uh, quarterbacks. Yeah. So they could be different. It could be that turn. And the unfortunate side for Ohio State is that Urban's already gone. Yeah. You know, so if I'm a quarterback and I'm going to Ohio State, I'm probably worrying at this point for my draft status if I'm good. <laughs> but I personally feel that yes, Jacksonville should they from from the get go. I mean, when you talk about players like Russell Westbrook going and playing with Scotty Brooks, right? Well. Justin Fields and Urban Meyer, they need to be, you know, players, sometimes players just need to be together with certain coaches. Right. So um, is it surprising to me that he has a four, four speed? No, but also at the same time, when you're talking about Lamar Jackson, you're talking about uh, Pat Mahomes, you know, and Mm -hmm. we're we're transitioning into this, this way of football is being played where you have more than one Michael Vick on the field. When it was Michael Vick, it was only Michael Vick. Right. Right, right. Right. We're getting into where this is becoming a little more common. Get one early so you're ahead of the you're ahead of the curve and draft this kid. Right. Like I like I said, I'll take I'll take the blame right now if I if if he comes out and he's not bad, okay, my bad. I'd rather give the kid a, a, a shot from what I had seen compared to what I've seen in, in the past. You know, so if that's the case, I'll, I'll own that. But I think that he's probably out of the four. And now the fifth, when you got Mac Jones being thrown in there, which did you see what happened with uh, Bill Belichick? No, no. So Mac Jones, there was a possibility that Mac Jones was going to be picked up at 15. Um, it's 15, I think, where New England's picking. Yeah. And this man overthrew one play, and it, the, the video immediately cut to Bill Belichick, and he's like this. <laughs> so you're done mac i'm sorry you're gonna wait <laughs> up round two or three. Oh, he's definitely um, a three or four he's not a first round quarterback you guys do not make 
that I agree. Same situation with Alabama quarterbacks that I have with Ohio State quarterbacks. Yes. They don't have any that really succeed when they come out in the NFL either. But I think, like I said, there's a lot of factors that go involved into this involved that say give Justin Fields the the shot. Trevor Lawrence is good. He's a a big quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But, hey, you know, for one, he's already got a major injury under his belt now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's that's not going to – I'm not going to say I'm going to hold that against him, but that also hurts draft shots. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right, you can't start right out of the gate if that's the case, or when you do start, you're who knows what's going to happen. But 4-4 four, four speed on top of, you know, a good mental IQ, a strong mental IQ, I think that's a good combination. Yeah, absolutely. Did the reps no call matter at the end of the Baylor-UConn game? Michael. Um, it's one of those bang, bang situations. I was literally just watching it over again here and the defender, <laughs> I forgot her name, but the defender for, uh, for Yukon, her arm, she's, st- she's standing straight. Right. But at the last second, her arms go forward, which is a, which is like, you know, a defender leaning in, which is an automatic foul. Did they miss it? Absolutely. Do I blame them, though, for that time, that point, that situation in that game? No. And not to take away from uh, Paige Buckers, but she was going off that night. That was a great – it was a great one-two mm-hmm. game back and forth between her and uh, the girl that she was uh, that she was guarding. It was that, that premier matchup. Mm-hmm. They were both doing very well. It was just one of those last-second things that happened – it was a missed call. I guarantee that ref is probably hearing about it from the NCAA. But can you blame them? Not all the time. It's difficult. Yeah, um, I actually watched the game, and man, that was a that was a foul. <laughs> that was that was. I yeah. mean, this this girl, this that call reminded me of the end of the Tampa Bay Green Bay game. I'm just gonna be very honest, right? But it was a no call in this situation, right? And I know that they they say let them play. I just feel like this is the problem. I think the referees need to figure out when to let things go and when to be able to say, okay, that's a foul. That was a clear-cut foul. The worst thing was going to happen, she had to shoot free throws, and she had to make two of those free throws. And the worst thing that would have happened for Baylor is they probably – or UConn is that they probably would have gone into overtime. But – the it was a clear it was a foul she got hit in the face and arm and the elbow it was no like the girl you said she jumped straight up i think she jumped curved well, no, she, she was standing there like this but when the when layup she jumped going, when she, she yeah when she jumped yeah. she didn't jump straight up i've seen yeah, people jump straight up ben wallace jumped straight up when he blocked shots this kareem, kareem this, abdul jabbar <laughs> jumped straight up right even dwight howard jumps straight up this girl right here is straight up fowler so i believe yeah it happens they're human they're gonna miss some calls they missed that one you know but did it make a difference in the game i don't think so i think there was ample opportunity for baylor to be ahead in that game and actually win that game so like i said the balance of life that happened yeah, there was some calls that didn't go their way in the game, just like there was some calls that didn't go UConn's way in that game that could have properly separated the score. People don't think about it in those terms, but 110%, I 
I feel like, yeah, it was a foul. They should have at least gotten her two free throws. She could have made the two. Then they would have kept playing. But same thing. And Gino is really funny. You know, he said, I bet LeBron James uh, doesn't uh, get mad and go back and say, hey, you know, you should have called a foul on, on, on me when I fouled that person, and, you know, at the end of the game. I bet that never happens, right? But that was too blatant. I think they should have given her two free throws. So I'm going to have to say, do I think the refs calls, called the game? Call, I mean, caused them to lose the game? No. It was a lot of right. shit that happened within the game. But they should have called a foul in that particular time. Because you don't know if she would have hit those two free throws or not. You, you have no idea. Right. It was it was kind of like when we're talking about Michigan and UCLA and Michigan losing it more than UCLA winning it. Baylor had opportunity to win the game multiple times throughout the game. Yep. It's one basket. You make one basket that you would have missed. We're talking a different game. Absolutely. Right? We're talk we're talking about those free throws being the difference between a win or a loss, not just right. an overtime, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like Michigan, you make one of those eight shots, you guys are moving on, right? So yeah. Yeah, like we could place blame wherever it's going to be, but there were opportunities throughout the whole game. When it comes, I, I just hate it when it comes down to that one shot, and it's like every time the scapegoat is the refs, right? Yeah, and I get it. I've been on that side more than more than anything because I've seen where LeBron goes up for a layup, gets smacked, and no call happens, right? I mean, yeah. damn, he's what four and five, four and six, four and not uh, five, four and five, right? Four and five. Five losses. There could have been a lot more calls that I, I could be. Nope, 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 nope. Refs missed that, but I got to live with it. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to blame the refs every, every time. I'm I'm done with that shit. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like blaming news for your trades. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Is the criticism of Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge justified? Um. Yeah, a little bit. I, th- I mean, <laughs> I think so. I mean, it's down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, everybody talked about how bad Blake was for two years, and 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 this is the deal. I watch everything. My wife would tell you, she it's kind of crazy now because she knows that now when I watch games and stuff, it's homework due to our podcast, right? This is why I think you. <laughs> Let's do a podcast. Have Absolutely. more reasons to watch. Let's sports. turn this into something I that's going to gonna potentially now. make money. You know what I mean? So <laughs> another strand of income. Um, yeah. So I watch everything now. You know, I got the NBA League Pass. I got. I watch all. I've always watched all college uh, basketball games when I could. Um, NFL. I'm always watching. You know, when COVID hit and there was no real sports, my wife caught me uh, watching. Um, what was it? Uh, cornhole tournament. I was watching. I was like, this, this has gone <laughs> far. I'm guilty. Like, ESPN started carrying it, so I started watching it. Yeah, and then this, I, I can't even think of the other game that they're doing. That's all, just a regular game. That, you ever notice that all the all the guys are sponsored by the same Johnsonville sausage makers? <laughs> and Jimmy Dean's or something. Jimmy, Jimmy Dean's and Johnsonville. The guy that won that was like, my grandpappy, I give him to this. He used to drink beer while right. he played cornhole. And I was like, this is pitiful. And you also watched like a golf championship oh, yeah. from so like seven I, years ago i watched the rerun of uh brooks kopeka's first win like he had never seen him before he's like oh my god <laughs> it was great it was great it was his master's win it was awesome i'm sorry i was missing sports they had cut sports off and that it was the only thing on and i watched 
all 18 holes of it. So that's how bored I was, and I missed sports. Okay? I can't wait until the next cornhole championship. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> what I will say, though, my point in saying all this is that I've paid attention to Blake Griffin because he's one of my favorite players. Um, and I, I just watched sports. Detroit Pistons was actually um, one of my favorite teams when I first when, – when I – you know, besides the Lakers because, remember, I told you Dennis Rodman was the player that I most idolized because I couldn't dribble or anything. And I was kind of tall at that time, and, and Coach was like, hey, you're going to just stand there and rebound. You're going to do what this guy does. And I watched Dennis Rodman. I mean, have the number 10. We were called the Pistons. I even cut my hair like Dennis Rodman. We got to find the picture somewhere. It's great. So, um, and, and look, it's blonde right now, too. So that's a little tribute of him. But at the same time, what I will say is this. We talked about this in our previous two episodes. Dwayne Casey's, Dwayne Casey's offense did not fit Blake Griffin. Now, LaMarcus Aldrich, the reason why he stayed in San Antonio, ladies and gentlemen, before he signed that big deal, I feel like he kind of got robbed. Tim Duncan was supposed to be there with him in those, those first few years that LaMarcus Aldridge was there. Tim called it quick. So there was no more of a, ten, a, a twin tower situation just like he had in, with David Robinson, okay? So Blake Griffin, though, he just – I look at it like this. Blake was, Blake was resting. You know, he didn't really play. Some people said that he wasn't hurt when he said he was really hurt. I feel like he was resting. I feel like he was literally collecting a paycheck, like literally collecting the paycheck, doing what he can. Blake Griffin put out more TV shows than he, I think he, I'm not going to say than what he played, but he put out more TV shows than dunks that he had in Detroit. Okay. So, is the criticism deserved? Absolutely, because you could have gone anywhere else. Okay, I'm going to name a few teams, right? I'm going to say the Miami Heat. He could have gone to the Miami Heat. They would have made it competitive. They need someone of his caliber. He could have gone to the Phoenix Suns, LaMarcus Doddridge. That would have been a good fit for him. We all know Monty Williams in the connection there. Blake Griffin had an opportunity to come back home to the Staples Center Stay tuned. He may do that next year, but he had an opportunity to play with LeBron James or go back to the Clippers, right, and play with Kawhi Leonard. I feel like now that they have Rajon Rondo, he fits in better with the Clippers, but he definitely would have fit in with the Lakers, but he was looking at it like this. Him and AD play the same position. I don't want to come off the bench. Or AD was like, I don't want to play the five. I think Andre Drummond is a better fit for that situation. But, yeah, my point is he could have even gone to the Boston Celtics, okay? He would have fit in good with the Boston Celtics, talking about Blake Griffin. You join the Nets. Look, man, just like KD situation, if they're giving you criticism, the one thing that you can do to shut everybody the hell up is win the championship this year. I don't think that's going to shut me up, bro. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, between Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, do what you do. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. Right, <laughs> like, right, bro, right. It is what it is. Like, your primary three are going to be Harden, Durant, and Irving anyway, but 
Yo, I think personally, had they shown interest, I think his best bet was to go to Philadelphia for that same reason we were Ooh, talking about. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but that's a Justin great Fields fit. and Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. goes back with Doc Rivers, right? Right. Um, throw it back to Lamarcus Aldridge. Now I know it was it was hard times out here for quite some time, but before, the number one team that was set to get him before San Antonio came in and swooped him up for a few years was the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could have he could have been a part of the whole rebuilding. Now, if he if he ever decided to come over here, now it's like, all right, then you waited like you 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 take a little bit of your your I don't know my respect, I don't respect you as much as I would have then. You know what I'm saying? Like you lose a lot of that because of the fact that you have Devin Booker and I apologize for the FedEx truck. <laughs> um, you have Devin Booker, you've got DeAndre Ayton. They're playing well. Chris Paul's over there now, right? If LaMarcus Aldridge came over here, great for the Phoenix Suns, but I think it's just as soft. His re- The rest of his career is just as soft unless he went back to Portland. I agree with that. He should, he should, that should have been where he, he went. Damian Lillard did, did reach out and said that he said, let's run it back. He did say that. That was in a social media tweet or Instagram post or something. And I think as a big man and starting out in Portland, um, I think that he could really contribute to the Portland Trailblazers at his age right now. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I, I question this. When we're talking about draft picks and where they move to, LaMarcus Aldridge's career has actually been pretty decent. Yeah. And he was traded for Tyrus Thomas. <laughs> the Bulls originally drafted him. So my question for that is really like, what were the Bulls thinking back then? But And who anyway. the hell is Tyrus Thomas? No, I'm joking. <laughs> so <laughs> overall, to answer the question directly, you know, is criticism of Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge justified? 150% absolutely. I don't care even what they do after this season anymore because, I mean, if he, if Blake goes back to the Clippers, look what you're joining now, right? If you go to the Lakers, look who you're joining now. If LaMarcus Aldridge went to, you know, came to Phoenix, like I said, look who you're joining. Like, yeah. you guys had the opportunity to stay and you didn't, and you chose not to. Right. Right. All right. Should San Francisco keep Jimmy G? Michael. Um, why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was a uh, he was a Super Bowl quarterback, right? Now, don't get me wrong, he didn't lead them to the Super Bowl. Their defense did. Their defense when they went to the Super Bowl was great. They had an amazing defense. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G was the was the quarterback of that team, and when you have a defense that was as stout as what they had, or as what Tampa Bay has right now you can get to the Super Bowl and possibly win, right? Yeah. You just have to be able to put points on the board while the defense steps up and does their job and, and stops the other team from scoring. So I think that they should keep him. I think they should start him. I think they should continue to play him as if he's a the quarterback that they paid for. I mean, let's be real. His, his contract is fairly big. So yeah. Yeah. I think you get what you can for him like not in trade value, but on the field and work on everything else. Like we're talking about the other day, Micah Parsons, go draft him, go draft him or go draft, you know, build up your secondary, do something. Yes, yes bro. Yes. Continue to worry about a quarterback. 
He learned from Tom Brady. He he came in and subbed in for Tom Brady and went three and zero. Again, that was even before the Super Bowl run. He still he still was the quarterback of the Niners when they were in the Super Bowl. Right. So he hasn't shown to me like once you start lo- having losing records and you know you start th- having Eli numbers where you're throwing twenty eight picks to you know twenty. Uh, 20 touchdowns and, you know, it's off like that. Or even Jameis Winston numbers where it's 30 for 30 and you're not getting to that game. You're not getting to that level. Then it might be time to move on. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to move on from him right now. No. Right? You have somebody that's back there that can coordinate the offense on the field. Yeah. And you can worry about other things to do within, within, with on your team right now. Yeah. And um, I said this, I think, in the last uh, episode. I don't feel like they're I – think, I think everyone automatically assumes that they're going to take a quarterback. Um, you know who will be great for the 49ers if he's there in the second or third round, which it looked like he's going to be? It's Matt Jones. And I think that's somebody that Kyle Shanahan wanted. Uh, I think he liked the way he played or something like that. I'm not sure. I don't know the exact – ties there but um in his pro day he didn't I mean he did all right he didn't do well right um I feel like he's a solid if you're trying to go trying to build a solid team you need to draft Micah Parsons like anybody that's not going to draft him okay how many people passed up on on Aaron Donald before he was drafted yeah you just you just made you just laugh right there, right? Who? Khalil Mack was the defensive player of the year, and he went number five. Khalil Mack, I was about to say that. Khalil Mack, I mean, teams passed up on him, right, before the Raiders picked him up, right? And still to this day, you know, us being in Vegas, everyone think it was the dumbest move that John Gruden could have ever made, getting rid of Khalil Mack, right? But. Oh. Well, it wasn't a Raiders. It, it was a Raiders move. It wasn't a John Gruden move. But in the long, in the lines of those, uh, that situation, Jamarcus Russell was taken ahead of Indominus Sue. Right, and he's no longer in the league anymore. So, um, but we're gonna see, you know, what the what happens because there's some good players here with the Raiders. But I'm if I'm I'm the 49ers, right? I'm not trading him. I'm gonna I'm a. Now, this is the one thing you, you can't say about Jimmy G. He gets injured way too much. Yeah. Okay. He gets injured way too much. I think you need a solid back. I think you need a solid backup player, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be for me a, um, I wouldn't wait to the third round to draft Matt Jones, but I would definitely grab him in the second round. And it could be a Jalen Hurts situation. Um, kind of like, hey, if you're not performing well, just like what they did with Carson Wentz and they paid him all that money. They drafted Jalen Hurts. Now, this is going to be the the kicker. I hope Jalen Hurts plays well. You know, Oklahoma, you know, uh, Coach Landry, you know, he is the quarterback whisperer. So he's had, you know, three, um, well, two, he had two straight Heisman Trophy candidates um, that came out back-to-back in Baker and Kyler Murray. And those two guys are playing very well. He spent his last year in Oklahoma with him. So I'm going to say, you know, we're going to be able to see what Jalen Hurts is going to be able to do. But at the same time, I'm drafting Michael Parsons. I don't think you let him pass. I think you pick him up. I think he goes off the board very quick. You know, 
And then think about this, even though Jacksonville has taken, you know, everyone's saying you got to take Trevor Lawrence. He's the best. You know, I do think they need a quarterback that fits urban Meyer, but what if they took Michael Parsons, right? You know, what if they took him? I feel like San Francisco is in the perfect position though, to take him. And if you really try and send that message to Jimmy G, like, Hey, we're not going to get rid of you. We're going to, you're our quarterback. You don't draft another quarterback. If they draft a quarterback, Jimmy G won't be in San Francisco next year. I agree. I think if, when you talk about his, his injuries, which I think are the biggest thing, Mm -hmm. I'm literally looking up some of these guys that are out here right now. There's some retired, there's some people who are still out there who have resigned, et cetera. And we've got names like Tyrod Taylor that are out there. Yeah. Tyrod out there. Yep. Better yet, for me, it's not necessarily a great pick, but I'm not saying he's that bit that bad. And that's Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is solid, man. Like, right? he's, a free, he's a free agent still. So <laughs> if that's the case, you could go get the backup to your, you know, the backup to the backup in New England, mm-hmm. which would you've got your starter and your backup, and they're still tandem together. Like they proved that they they didn't need anybody like Tom Brady. They went four and zero together. Right. right? So I think that there's options that are out there to fill in if you need somebody to slide in due to injuries, you know, but if you're talking Mac Jones, Mac Jones, they have pick number one Oh two in the, in the third round, he yeah. could last down to that, especially, yeah. especially if, if teams that are already filling the quarterback list yeah. are already done, you know, let Mac fall down a little bit, go grab him, you know, cause I mean, if, if new England passes him on 15, different situation who knows but i think that there's other options that are out there so i think that they should keep them mm-hmm. um do they keep them i don't know because you know we have again when we talk about this rebuilding uh episode that we need to do i think that they would be giving up too soon on him right that's true that's true from the both of you final takes do want to take okay so my final take is um, I just want to talk about the right now, Miss um, Sarah Palin, she ended up getting uh, COVID and she was one of those people that was heavily against the mask. Um, and just me, me and Michael talked about this before we came on. My wife and I, we've been talking about this about the past couple of days. Um, and we've had some friends die over COVID and stuff like that. I think my biggest, my final take is, 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 uh, and then I forgot my mask to come here to do the podcast and I need the mask to come into the, the studio. Um, I just wish the world would get back to normal. And so we're, we can travel and do whatever it is that we're going to do. And, and just not just for us but for the world, but I know that is not going to be that way for a very long time. But my thoughts and prayers are with Ms. Sarah Palin. Also, I want to say to uh, the Floyd family as well, uh, George Floyd, uh, his trial is going on right now. And, and it's just crazy to see uh, how the, the defense is trying to manipulate the situation, which they're not doing a very good job at, by the way. Um, if I was, uh, Derek, I would fire that that uh, defense attorney because he's not doing good. They're doing well. The prosecutors are actually doing very well. Um, but I wanted to uh, just say thoughts and prayers out there 
hope the right outcome comes because I think somehow all of this stuff kind of ties into each other. You know, you had the, the George Floyd uh, situation that happened. Uh, I mean, you had COVID happen first. I get it. But then you had the George Floyd situation happen. And I, I honestly believe that it was a way to kind of distract everybody from the COVID situation. So, I mean, we don't know what happened. There's a lot of uh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave that to my man if he wants to comment on it. The, the We have the conspiracy theorists out there that said that they killed them on purpose and stuff like that. But at the same time, you got I just want to say um, I'm up in the air about this whole vaccine thing. And I keep getting, you know, more and more um, information on it. And, and like I said, my doctor is one of the top doctors in the, in the world, Mr. Sean, Dr. Sean Nickervon. Um, he's one of the top doctors in the world. And, and, and me and my wife just want things to go back to normal where I, I've forgotten my mask three times today and I don't want to keep having to worry about my mask. So if I don't want to keep worrying about my mask, I think I will get the shot. But at the same time, you know, you have your dad that's been in wars and your grandfather that's been in wars and they're saying, don't put that kind of shit in your body. So right now, um, it's mutating which is the problem. So that's what happened with uh, Miss, Mrs. Palin. She, she, it was, she got a mutated version of it because the original strand, she didn't, it wasn't, you know, it, she didn't get it, but whatever it mutated into, I think for those sakes, um, but this is the only question I would pose. If it is mutating, how are we even sure that the vaccine is going to help the future mutations of it? So um, I haven't ever had a flu, a flu shot. I had uh, pneumonia. That's the sickest I've ever gotten. But at the same time, that's my final take, man. I, I didn't want to, I don't want to babble, but I just want to send my prayers out to Mrs. Uh, Palin and, and to George Floyd and his family. Well, I'm going to take a different turn here. Um, I'm not going to necessarily go on that route only because I feel like a little bit of myself, I am a, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a conspiracy theorist. Uh, some people will label me as that, but I feel like my personal, my personal in-depth opinion on this um, isn't necessarily right for this uh, this setting. So where I'm going to go with my final take is going to be based on the NFL draft. Um, we've been talking about a lot lately. Um, pro days are happening, um, but the the thing that I want to bring up is how. What, I, what I'm considering now, are, are these pro days enough where how much did the com, the combine mean prior to COVID, right? So we're yeah. showing this year that these guys actually have the ability of having pro days. We're not going to have injuries, you know, or whatever it may be. We've had some people that have been injured at the combine, et cetera. So we're not going to see that this year. It's a little bit of a different scenario and a different take on it. But on the next step is – does that give us the ability of seeing and judging based on what we've seen in the games now and what the pro scouts have to go off of? Cause not everybody's having pro days. So you have to go off of game tape. You have to go off of experience of what you've seen, right. which is probably a different angle where these guys and these scouts are sitting here and their draft, their draft strategy has to evolve based on that. Right. right? So I think that this draft is going to be interesting. I think, what is it? Is it in Cleveland or Chicago? I think it's in Chicago. Uh, I think it's Cleveland this year. Oh, Cleveland. It's, it is Cleveland. It is Cleveland. Yeah. So, um, you know, different venue, different location, different uh, atmosphere, different situation. Uh, 
completely. Um, I think that we're going to see something that's going to be a, a different form of a draft, which I want to see how accurate these scouts really get now without having that combine being there. So seeing these, uh, these quarterbacks going, seeing these wide receivers, seeing these linemen go, we're going to have them based upon something different. So I think this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, brother, you just said you want to see how accurate the scouts are without being there. Hell, when are they accurate when they are there? <laughs> that's what I mean. But that's what I mean. It, when they're there and they take it away, can you be a little more accurate in your draft strategy than what you have been in the past? The, saying that the combine has pulled wool over scouts' eyes and shown something that they sh- probably shouldn't have even had to utilize. It's like using news within trading. Right. It, news is a good scapegoat. The combine could have been a good scapegoat. Oh, they had a this this uh, 40-yard dash. What did I bring up one of the first episodes? Yeah. yeah. Pharrell Suggs, his 40-yard dash was horrible. Mm-hmm. But he is a future Hall of Famer. Defensive player of the year, two-time Super Bowl winner, mm-hmm. right? With seven-time Pro Bowl. Uh, Who seven- may be coming back this year, by the way. Right. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, the draft combine itself, how skewed did it give a vision to some of these scouts where maybe the accuracy improves this year? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that. I feel like they're um, – I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they're going strictly off tape, though, just to – just to, uh, you know, come in. I think that there will be some surprises in the pro days, you know, like Matt Jones. I mean, his stock went down. I mean, you talk about it was Bill Belichick. Like, this is how crazy media is, bro. The camera flashes over the Bill Belichick. He shakes his head. I mean, he's arguably the the best coach of all time, right? Um, Now we're talking about his reaction. Yeah, now we're talking about his reaction. Now people are saying, man, shit, Bill don't don't think he's good. But this is what I will say about Bill. Bill will fool everybody, too, because yeah. nobody knew that he was going to take Tom Brady. <laughs> right. Nobody knew that he, would take, he was going to take Tom Brady. But do I feel like Matt Jones is that type of caliber quarterback? Hell no. no. Hell no. no. <laughs> it's, it's funny you talk about the media – um, and being able, being able to create the vision, being able to create the story just off one move to go look at Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. But you caught me over here, and now we're on video. You caught me over here looking this way. I just saw on SportsCenter that we've got two more cases coming forward from Deshaun Watson. So, And, and did you also been- see that, that there have been 18 women who have also come to his, come to his aid – who he who he has paid, who also are masseuses, who said he's never treated them any kind of way. So I'm just what I'm saying. We're gonna right. see. There's gonna it's I I just have a hunch. I feel like this is a coercion. I'm just saying, let's let it all play out before we convict this man. And if I'm wrong, I say it again. I will say I'm wrong. <laughs> all right, you guys. Sorry this episode went a little bit long, but you know what? It's getting good. We're, yep. we're getting good. Yeah. You know, it's flowing. Like this is this is entertainment, man. You know, <laughs> Amanda's even speaking up more. This is this is gonna be great. You know, so I'm Duante Keller Woods for my main man, Michael Friends, and my and our lovely mediator, Mrs. Amanda Keller Woods, for take after the take. Peace.